turn with me in your Bibles now, would you, to our passage from last week. Um, it's in the Gospel of Luke. About two-thirds of the way through your Bible, the New Testament begins with four uh, Gospels or, um, or spiritual biographies, as it were, of Jesus. And uh, we have been studying the last couple of weeks, and we'll continue one more week after this, in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, um, beginning at verse 1. Someone with a pew Bible, what page is that on? 866. If you don't have your Bible with you, there might be a maroon um, pew Bible nearby, and it's on page 866. Follow along with me, would you, as I read again this familiar passage in God's Word. You can see all the elements of, of, that we've been talking about today right here. And he called the twelve together... And gave them power and authority, remember that, dynamite and discerning authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not even have two tunics, two overcoats there. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And whenever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And, and this is the sending of the twelve. And the twelve departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. May God bless to our understanding this his holy word. Well, we, again, have been studying together in this amazing passage and learning together what does it mean to be missional? What does it mean that we are called to be more like Jesus? Again, last week we looked at the first three major points of this, that he called them together, that he gave them power and authority, and then that he sent them out. Where we are is we're recognizing in our mission we're called to have intimate relationship with the living God. Remember that several weeks ago. Jesus said, Father, you are in me. Now let me be in them so that you and I, through the Holy Spirit, may be in them and they in us. God has invited you into this intimate relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we saw, too, that he also, we see it here in this passage and throughout Scripture, that he also calls us to be together with other people in intentional community. God has forever existed. If you've not thought about this before with Trinity, God has forever existed in intentional community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He opens that, that community to you, that you might be a part of that, but then he invites you to to enter into intentional community with other people with flesh on. We talked about how marriage is such a vision of that. Because two with Christ become one, right? And and this new creation is a living testimony to the world about, about God, about God who exists in community. But we've also seen that God calls us to be together in community as well because our unity, our togetherness is a powerful testimony to the world about God, about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this last couple of weeks now, we've been dealing with a third element. First of all, intimacy with God. We're called to intimacy with God. We're called to intentional community. But then we're, we're also called to impact the world 
for the kingdom of God. In the last couple of weeks, we've been camping on that idea. That's where we are. He sent them out uh, to impact the world. Well, again, where did he send them? We saw this last week. Where did he send them? In, in Luke 10, verse 2, when he sent out the 72, we saw that he sent them into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So God does this wonderful thing, is, and, and you cannot see it. Uh, those of you who are able to participate in the uh, the outreach, uh, learning how to love and care for our, our Muslim friends. You, you look at that and you go, I don't see how this can work, God. I don't see you in the midst of, of this Muslim community. I don't see how this can possibly work. And, and God says, you don't have to. I haven't gone there yet. I'm going there. I'm sending you in advance. Those of you who are called to reach out. Many of you said, I don't really feel called to reach out to Muslims, but I do feel called to this kind of person. Praise God. Jesus is about to go there. He's about to go there. You go before him. You prepare the way. You speak the very words of God and watch God raise up people who will open their hearts to him. I cannot tell you. We were chatting with uh, the president-elect of the Islamic Society of Evansville, and his heart was so soft to God. It was amazing, wasn't it? It was amazing to see this guy with such power and leadership in, in the Muslim community have this soft, soft heart for God. I was, I was going, thank you, God. Forgive me for all the times I just judged people without knowing them. Thank you, God, that you're going before us. We, before we're ever even aware, you're softening people's hearts. Is he a follower of Christ? No, not yet. But I think that was a divine appointment. Amen. Those of you who are there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness. I think it was a divine appointment. God is opening doors for us to build relationships. It was, it was astounding. So he sends them out. The, the where question is this every town and place he's about to go. God sends us out in advance of him so that, so that people can be prepared to meet Jesus. Like John the Baptist, we're preparing the way for the Messiah to come into people's lives. And, and he doesn't give us a map. He, he, he asks us to faithfully uh, risk going out there and being his representatives before we know what he's about to do. It's only in hindsight that we see what he does. And last week we ended with a question to you. What if, what if the church was the missionary? What if we didn't just send out every five years one person or one family? What if everybody understood that that God wants to use their life as a living testimony? Wouldn't that be astounding? We wouldn't have the situation in, in Prague that we have now, huh? Because there would not just be uh, point something less than 1%. There would be thousands of missionaries there. Um, what if we were the mission? What if we were the missionaries? Wow, what could God do? So we asked, we asked and answered last week the where question. Where does he send them out? I, this is really interesting. Um, I promised myself I would not mention UCLA's victory over Texas. So I'm not going to do that. But, but one of my brothers at Presbytery reminded me, knowing that UCLA was about to play Texas, he said that the Longhorns are a lot like the sermon. Two points and a lot of bull in between, right? And, and he was not far off. So, so I'm going to try and pull down the bull and lift up the, the Jesus and let you see God's word. 
Where do we go? How, excuse me, not where do we go. We know where to go. How do we go? Did you see that? This is really interesting, isn't it? Literally, he said, take nothing with you. Right? Take nothing with you. The idea and, 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 and the implication is take only the clothes on your back. Right? Now, there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons for this. Right? What happens when we have nothing to rely on? We don't have cell phones. We don't have all this other stuff. What happens then? What do we have to rely on? Absolutely. God and God alone. I remember when Nicky Cruz was establishing his mission to gang members in, in New York after, many of you remember way back when, the cross and the switchblade, the, uh, this amazing transformation of gang members. And then he created a ministry to that, and he called people to come to New York and to do ministry in New York uh, in Jesus' name. And they would come, and, and he would say, I don't want you to take anything with you. Here is uh, $10. I want you to do ministry in New York for for two weeks with $10, no lodging provided, no food provided. And when you're done, I want the $10 back, right? Um, the $10 was just a crutch to get them out the door, right? He understood something. When you don't have anything else to put your trust in, when you have nothing else to put your trust in, then the only thing that you can put your trust in is God. It's God. But I want to I look at this with you a little bit a little bit more in depth. Our society says that, that more is better, right? There's commercials about that on right now. More is better. Jesus says more like him is better, less like the world. The less you travel with all this baggage, the more spiritually agile and nimble that you'll be. We were blessed by you, actually, to um, uh, have a sabbatical in 2002, I believe it was. And, and we had three small children, and, uh, and a part of the sabbatical was we got to travel, I think it was six weeks, in, in Europe um, with three small children. And, um, and we didn't understand this principle that Jesus is teaching us. We had 12 pieces of luggage and three children, and, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was a nightmare. People that say that, that Europeans are, are um, rude or something like that never traveled with three children and 12 pieces of baggage in Europe because they were so kind. I think they had that, that bless your heart look on their face. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Grandma's way of saying, you are an idiot. Bless your heart. You know? And, and, and a couple of times we would have like six pieces of luggage and a child still on the train and the doors were closing on the train and, and we're about to send Matthew to Luxembourg or someplace, right? And, and, and people would stick their foot in the door and set off alarms and do all kinds of stuff to help us carry this. We did not travel light and we paid the price for that immensely. But at the same time, in his mercy, God, at every juncture gave us people who risked loving us wrist sticking their foot in the door for us i wonder sometimes what kind of um what kind of baggage are we traveling with i mean petra if if i were to um say to you would you um run uh would you run like some some of our students over here would you run uh a race with that book could you do that could you do that I think so. I think, I think you are a very gifted 
and, and, and physically fit, young gal. I think you could do a wonderful job. What if I um, asked you to run that race with this? Would you, could, you, could you do that? Well, just try it. It's, it's light. It's light. Really, seriously. Could you do that? Just a little, a little heavy. Okay, not a little. It's a lot heavy. Okay, it's a lot heavy. Well, I don't really need to bring that speaker over here, then, do I? Because you, you understand, don't you? And and you understand, don't you? It's silly, isn't it, to carry a lectern when you're running a race? It's pretty, pretty silly to carry baggage when you're running the race for Christ as well. Does that make sense? Make sense to you? What is this baggage? And some of it, I wish, I wish that it was always this obvious, but it's not, right? Certainly, some of it is physical baggage. I struggle with materialism. I've shared with you many times that, that um, I think that if I have a book, I have the knowledge. I think if I have the tool, I have the ability, right? So the solution in that kind of twisted thinking is to have more books and more tools. Um, but it doesn't work that way. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and and spiritually uh, he he has it all together he gets all the answers right if life were spiritual jeopardy he would win right but but he he has baggage physical baggage and finally Jesus says to him and and we're vulnerable in American culture I'm vulnerable in American culture he says you know uh, one thing that you lack sell all you have and give it to the poor. What is he doing? He's not making some big statement about it's wrong to have personal possessions. Jesus was not a communist or anything in that regard. All he's saying is you can't run this race with all this stuff. And whether that stuff is physical stuff like physical possessions or whether it's mammon, as, as the Wednesday night men's group was studying last week, this, this um, financial idolatry, um, it's, it's like dead weight when we're running this race. I'm going to jump to the other extreme for a second. I'm out of order on my slides probably, but, but and say um, we're all familiar with spiritual baggage too, right? Many of us have struggled to receive the, the, the grace of God in Jesus Christ because we have this religious or spiritual baggage. Maybe somewhere along the line, someone spiritually abused you in that regard or maybe you came face to face with a a part of the gospel that you were not willing to surrender to and 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 you said and you responded instead in anger and spent your life hating god as a result of it maybe maybe something terrible happened in your life and and you you believe that god is sovereign you believe that and and so you cannot reconcile the power of god and the love of god and and the circumstances in which you find yourself and you have this spiritual uh, trunk that you're trying to run this race with and and uh, and and jesus says i want you to let it go whether it's religion or, or a personal loss, I want you to let that go. I'm sure there are people in this room, I know there, myself, who have physical um, burdens that we need to let go of, and I'm sure, confident that we have, many of us have spiritual ones. We cannot entrust ourselves to the grace of God because of the spiritual baggage. But I want to I want to um, go to the center here for just a second. Is it up there? I want to I want to invite you to travel light emotionally, because um, 
gosh, in these 20 years, I've discovered most of the time it's not physical baggage. Most of the time it's not spiritual baggage. Most of the time people can believe. They can put their trust in God. But there is this center thing, this relationships with people. There's this emotional thing that is our heaviest burden. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Anytime you put three people in a room, right, you're going to have broken relationship. Have I ever offended you? <laughs> yeah, have I ever offended you? Uh, I think that's an example of sarcasm. I'm not sure. Okay. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Um, are we okay? Good. Why? Why? Because we were able to get over that, right? I'm not. Don't don't be wondering. Ooh, wonder what Linda and Dave. What? No. I mean, this is normal stuff. You put two fully grown people next to each other. They're gonna not agree. It's normal. Stuff. Here's the problem, and here is the, the one piece of baggage I really want to call out to you, invite you to veg on for a couple of weeks, and then, and then we're going to come back and address together over six weeks together. And, and, and that, is, um, that is emotional baggage, probably the single largest one of those. And it's not just emotional, but it centers in our emotions, is, um, is unforgiveness is unforgiveness. When someone has hurt you or you have been wounded by someone and, and, and for whatever reason, sometimes wisdom, honestly, sometimes you just need to get out of dodge, right? I'm not going to put myself back in that situation, but we haven't gotten to that point where we can differentiate between the person and the situation where we're able to say with Paul, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world, right? We aren't able to make that separation. And sometimes, the, the, and, and am I the only one that does that? Am I the only one that, that says, you know what? I'd be good today if I did not see that person, right? Um, am I the only one? Okay, thank you. I was about to start crying here. No, yeah, um, I think that's a sign. That's, that's a sign there. Do not hear, oh, I'm wrecked because, no, we all have that. It's just another piece of baggage. It might just be, it might be as small as that, and you can run fine, thanks. You ever done that experiment? I know we've done it together, actually, where you take a book like that, right, and you hold it out there. Tough for me to do this? No, no play racquetball. I'm He-Man, right? I can do this, right? Guess what? Already, <laughs> I'm talking away, right? But my arm's screaming. Already, my arm is saying, uh, <clears throat> put it down, right? What if I wait another two minutes? What if I wait? These guys on, on that program, Survivor, they do that for like three hours. What if, you know, I wouldn't be able to do it. See, it's, it's not the weight of the thing, the burden. It's the weight over time of the burden. The, uh, do you see how tiring that would be? This is pretty small. Uh, can you imagine Petra carrying that for three hours, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Certainly, you might be able to hold it, but you wouldn't be able to run with it. So I just want to invite you. We're going to actually look um, beginning uh, the 1st of October, I believe. Yeah, the 1st of October, we're going to begin looking for a couple months at the life of Elijah. When Elijah um, crashed and burned... Elijah with a J, it gets confusing, Elisha and Elijah. When he crashed and burned, it was horrible. It was horrible. But he didn't crash so much physically. There was a physical component. He didn't crash so much spiritually. He crashed emotionally. 
and, and he was carrying burdens that he was never intended to carry. And we're going to look at that together. We're going to, we're going to look at how we can um, not just um, become physically or spiritually mature, but mature emotionally as well and, and look to First Kings 17 to do that. But I just want to invite you. The key issue for us here is this issue, a key issue, uh, is is forgiveness. We're, there's actually probably 10 major touch points where we'll look at in a series another time. But forgiveness is a critical one. You know, the, the question is always, where can I have the least amount of effort to get rid of the most amount of weight, right? I want to suggest, did you follow that? You didn't follow that. You know, what, what where... If I just apply 20% of my energy, can I get 80% of the weight lifted off? Forgiveness is a biggie. Forgiveness is a biggie. Ask God to search your heart. Ask him to say, God, do I need to be carrying that burden? Take nothing with you, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Take nothing with you. Well, uh, I'm guessing that you're like me, and, and you are taking things with you. And so then the question becomes now, how do we do this? How do we travel light? It was actually in this amazing invitation of Jesus. Would you pull up that uh, memory verse slide again? Jesus says, come to me, right? All you who are holding that hymnal out at arm's length, who are carrying with you, running races with, with lecterns uh, you're holding on to, all you who are weary and burdened, right? Is it King James? Heavy laden. Heavy laden and and i will give you rest i'm looking back over in the corner over there all these young bucks back there in the corner going you know i don't need rest um guess what (laughs) guess what over time you do when you wake up in the morning thinking when can i go to bed again um you're carrying something you're carrying something right um, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. Let me just let me anchor this. Come to Jesus, but come in reverse order. Come starting with the spiritual burdens. If you're aware of them, say, Jesus, I'm not sure you exist. That's a spiritual burden. Or Jesus, you really, I, I felt betrayed by you when you didn't answer this prayer. Come to him with that spiritual burden. Come to him with your unforgiveness. And let's be honest here, right? The toughest person to forgive is not your spouse. It's not your children. It's not your parents. Who's the toughest person to forgive? Yourself, right? Come to Jesus with that burden. And then come to Jesus if, if like me, you struggle with, with even material things, physical things. Come to him. Come to him. Lay your burdens at the foot of the cross. I said, I said that intentionally, even though it's not in our scripture here, because Christ's whole life pointed toward the cross. Christ's whole life was pointed toward paying the price so that you wouldn't have to carry that burden, so that we, as the church of Jesus Christ, would not bear that burden, so that people might find life. Risk it. Risk it. We're saying, Jesus, I believe that your death and your resurrection has overcome this physical, emotional, or spiritual burden. And though I can't see it, and though I might not feel it in the next day or or month or year, I'm going to believe by faith that your death on the cross was sufficient. I'm going to lay that burden on you. And then, and then look at this. It, it's a little bit odd. I know many of you are familiar with this, but some of you might not have ever heard this before. 
Jesus says, and I want you to take something on. Over and over again, Paul especially picked up this imagery. Put something off, right? And pick something else up. Jesus says, lay the stuff at the foot of the cross, but also then take my yoke upon you. I know you understand this, but let me just remind you. He's using a very particular word. Uh, When two oxen uh, were working together as a team, they would yoke them together. And if you go to a Western restaurant here in Evansville, you'll see one of those yokes there. Um, these, these, this long piece of wood with two hooks under it that would wrap around each other. What is the point of that? The point is, yoke yourself to me. Why? When an oxen was, was being broken in, they would team him up with a more mature ox, right? I'm getting my language confused here. Uh, and, and the older, the more mature ox would carry the burden. Jesus is saying you were never meant to carry that burden. Yoke yourself to me. Take my yoke upon you. Will it seem constraining? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At first you go, uh, Jesus, you're taking away my freedom. Jesus says, no, I'm giving you freedom. I'm giving you freedom. I shared with you before when we first showed a tassel, a tzitzit, the uh, tassel that a Jewish person would wear on the corners of their garment. When we first, remember that? We first showed it to someone on Main Street in Jerusalem and said, what does this mean? He said, he said, look at both ends, the, the tassel end where all these free cords, and look at the other end, which is just bound up with five knots. And, and he asked us, which of these is really free? And we said, well, clearly the tassel end is free, right? And he says, that's just what every American says. You know what every Jew says? The other end. The end that is tied to something greater than itself. That's freedom. That's freedom. I want to invite you. Um, God has amazing purpose for your life. You're not going to be able to fulfill it. Um, carrying all that stuff. Risk. Baby steps. Risk it. You started with a short-term mission. Uh, it was your first time of stepping out, and, and you discovered that God's grace was sufficient for you, didn't you, Christopher? And And... and You start by taking baby steps, saying, God, I'm going to risk surrendering the physical, emotional, and spiritual baggage in my life. I'm going to risk surrendering that to you and and experiencing the freedom, God, that comes from, uh, from entrusting these things to you. Take baby steps. Next week, we'll... We'll, we'll continue. We'll, we'll see that Jesus gives us even more amazing gifts on this journey. But we're not going to be able to take the journey unless we come to that place where we can surrender our baggage to him. Pray with me, would you? God, you are so good. Uh, you know, before we ever picked up baggage, you knew we would. You, your grace went before us before we were ever aware. Christ died for our brokenness, for our baggage And set us free, God, if only we will trust you. Set us free from the weariness, from the heaviness of these burdens. God, I I, want to claim the promise of Matthew 11. God, I want to claim the promise that we'll find rest for our souls. Soul rest, God, if we will just risk surrendering ourselves to you. If we'll just risk, God, laying our physical our emotional and our spiritual burdens at the foot of the cross. Holy Spirit, wash over this place. I know probably you have touched someone 
in a very um, weary and dark place. And they have, a, they have a decision to make now, God. Whether they can release it to you. Help us, God. 